You are listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast's interview with Tabo Sebeko, Yorick Steenkamp, and Bongiwe Matsoa. Uh, Earth Life Africa, welcome to the One Planet Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Very pleased to be here. Yes. Well, I'm just so pleased to to learn more about the wonderful uh, work that you do with uh, Earth Life Africa. It's uh, going for over 30 years. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we've, we've gone over 30 years. For the past 30 years, I think Earth Life Africa was formed uh, in the late uh, 80s, 1980s, by a group of uh, student activists forming an organization in response to environmental injustice issues. And part of those issues were more related to uh, radioactive waste, as well as energy uh, related issues, which they were encountering, particularly in local communities. But for the past 15 years, the organization evolved. There's a, there are a lot of changes where now generation to generation, they join and they leave and they leave it to the others. It's, it's more like activists passing a baton to, to other activists to move on with the organization. Uh, you're involved with a lot of the education outreach, which is so important. Just tell me a little bit more, and also Bongiwe, so I have a, we have an idea of how you complement each other. Yeah, well, maybe just to quickly jump on that. I think the educational aspect of the organization is that for many years, if um, people, more especially affected communities on the ground, they are left behind in terms of uh, decision-making processes. Uh, whereby uh, you know important issues which really affects them in a daily basis don't have they don't actually been given a space where they are able to make a meaningful contribution to those processes and half of the time you find that a lot of communities are not aware uh, uh, and some even though they are aware but uh, some don't have an idea how to begin to engage with such issues so our intervention as an organization is to bridge the missing link between government and communities um, can I just then jump in? Um, so my role at Earth Life Africa is I'm the researcher um, and also I do a little bit of research and policy work. So um, as Tabo has already mentioned, a lot of the work that we do is to really provide capacity for community-based organizations um, so that they are able to uh, make informed decisions. So in any sort of new updates, uh, whether it be on policy that the government comes out with, um, we typically will provide that information um, so that uh, there is some sort of type of disclosure and it's put in more simple language where people can uh, try and better understand what many of these changes that frequently occur but aren't often communicated to communities are. I think uh, one of the misconceptions that we've observed through working with communities uh, is that a lot of people still believe that anything that has got to do with policies, it's something which is actually developed at the upper level, you know, so that's not the case, basically. Um, Policies are actually should be a bottom up approach whereby each and every member of the community is entitled to actually make a, a contribution to the policies which will be everyone will be abided to yes i just uh want to just back up what tabo said and say that um typically also 
with the education that we uh, assist communities with, um, that sort of type of knowledge they can also then use, especially at public hearings that often take place when there are big policy changes. So instead of an uh, organization like Earthlife Africa speaking on behalf of communities, the whole, the whole point or work that we do is for communities to actually speak on their own behalf. So we just merely provide them with the information and not to, I mean, I'm not sure if I know all the statistics for South Africa, but they estimate 8.7 million people died in 2018 due to fossil fuel emissions. I mean, what are those, you know, real life observable things that you're seeing on the ground? So the power utility and its power, it's, it's called far power stations, basically. It's actually causing a lot of mess. And it's something which a lot of people see. You know, uh, the World Health Organization, they released a, a, a health report stating that more than 3,000 people are dying due to the pollution which comes from, from the coal-fired power stations uh, of one of our uh, power utility, which is ESCOM. A lot of people are sick and they die due to asthma and, and respiratory-related complications you know, due to the pollution that comes from the power stations. And Ulrich, who joined us a bit late, uh, you're speaking about um, energy sources and you focused on um, anti-nuclear energy campaigns. Could you just tell us a little bit about that? Um, good evening, everyone. Um, yes, with regards to the anti-nuclear energy campaign, um, I think the main issue with um, nuclear energy and nuclear, the anti-nuclear energy campaign is making something that is very complex, uh, relatable to people, so that people can, can actually voice out their own opinions from a more informed standpoint. The, the, the programs that we, that we are operating is um, also showing people the vast abundance of um, renewable sources that we do have locally and that we ought to utilize because it is something that we have in excess of. I mean, if you can see the stats, uh, a lot of people are unemployed and it's even worse now because of the outbreak of the COVID-19 and the national lockdown. A lot of people lost their jobs, you know, so people can't afford to pay for, for electricity. So with that program, handing over of those houses, we feel that at least one house should have at least a solar panel or an element of a renewable energy technology somewhere, somehow, you know, so that to assist that member uh, that household to actually save or to you know to save the little income that they have but i also want to also say that when you also look at south africa's current electricity situation um we also have an electricity crisis where currently our current supply does not meet uh the country's demand and so with knowledge of this, uh, the government knows that it must procure new capacity very soon, um, but it's also known that the most reasonable place where this capacity can possibly come is from renewable energy sources. This is, this is very interesting, and I love to go into the specifics of it because I think we all want to have that move, but what is the cost and how can it be done most efficiently? What are like the costs involved with maybe doing collective programs with the rooftop solar? Okay. Um, the, the organization that I told you about, Salga, uh, they're the ones who predominantly are working with uh, 
with government, local government, on how to actually make this affordable and who actually needs to come in. Um, ideally, I think uh, local government should be the one to help even subsidize, or even if it's national government, um, subsidize these sort of type of pro programs. But um, the, the local government is de dependent on revenues from the electricity sector to actually function as a whole. So I think there are a lot of fears that bringing in new players into the electricity market will essentially uh, make them lose out. What kind of progress has Earth Life Africa made in terms of establishing um, connections on the governmental level to enact this change? Because obviously there, there are some members who are in, of government who are reluctant, but there, there are others that you're getting through to. And, and what are some of those success stories? So we're starting to see, you know, governmental officials coming from other provinces to visit the projects, you know, wanting to learn how to roll out, roll such program into their own municipality. Well, it's certainly a very beautiful and a good and necessary fight. But, you know, why... Why, why did you become an environmentalist? What is, you know, those are the, the negative problems that South Africa and we're dealing with around the world, but you know, what are some memories you have of South Africa and the natural world? No, what I love about being an environmentalist and why I became one is I love animals and I love just being out in nature. I'm, I'm one that loves hiking and I'm also very I'm involved in cultural activities. And in Africa, when it comes to cultural activities, it's not, um, there's no point when nature isn't part of it. So fighting for nature is also fighting for the culture of our country and the beautiful scenery that, that we love. My favorite memories with regards to nature is me just walking up with my, with my grandmother and just getting honeybush tea just on our way between our house and my granny's. Yeah, we used to have a lot of abundance with due to climate change and human influence. All of that bounty of nature is dwindling. And I would be, I would be very much angry with myself if I died and I didn't do my best to fight for, for the restoration of, of life of this planet. Immediately after I, you know, I left high school, um, I was actually pursuing uh, my art career. But after attending one of the community workshops, uh, that actually caught a fire on me because my art projects were, were mainly about collecting uh, usable waste material, like a domestic waste material. And my artworks were, was, were mainly creating something out of, out of that, you know, making art out of waste. It's a program which I, I started. So, but attending that, that, that uh, workshop, actually that was my turnaround. So since then I never looked back and, and, and I started um, uh, following the environmental you know, issues. So for me being part of the environmental movement, it makes me feel like a better person. It makes me feel like uh, uh, there is something which I'm, I'm living for, you know, to save the nature something which cannot speak for itself. Okay, so um, for me, to be honest, um, 
I actually started off as a biochemist, like this studying towards a profession. Um, but I eventually decided I wasn't happy. And I, I, I remember watching the news a couple of years ago, very, very long. <laughs> but um, climate change was becoming a huge uh, issue and it was becoming something well publicized. And I decided that I wanted to change careers. And that was something that I was going to do. So then I did my MPhil in environmental management with Stellenbosch University. Or, well, one of my professors, he actually said that a lot of people think environmentalists are just a bunch of greenies. But in fact, people are the ones who conceptualize environmental problems. So it's actually a very much uh, human related issue, um, despite what people think. And I am a very passionate person about uh, people. And um, this is also why I think I'm you know, really well suited to where I'm working now, because Earth Life Africa really appeals to the injustices, um, especially the environment, environmental injustices that are really being inflicted on people. And I can only think about my childhood as being like these really uh, great memories that I have of me being out in nature and seeing more ladybirds, which of course now I don't see much of. I think that's perhaps <laughs> one little insect I don't see, whereas in my uh, time as a child, I used to see them all the time and I used to love them. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. Um, and uh, yes, we certainly need more, more people like you in committing their, their life to it. As you say, it is about, it's not a green versus humans versus, it's not, a, it's not that. It's the place we live in, isn't it? Uh, it's our home. Um, it's kind of hard to summarize everything that um, Earth Life Africa mm. does. And I was so, so sorry that also Makoma Lekalakala wasn't part of the conversation, although she helped set it up. We should say that uh, I'm not sure if it was the Earth Life Africa received the prize or herself um, received the Goldman Environmental Prize. Um, but uh, I'm sure she has so much to say, having been a part of Earth Life from the beginning. Yeah, actually, uh, she she received the, the the honor from the prize uh, winning, but she she always uh, regarded it as a, an effort which comes from all of us, you know. So, but she's she, even though she's a recipient, you know. So she's she's very a selflessness person. Well, certainly she's a great teacher and the other members of Earth Life Africa are great teachers and mentors for, for all of us who, who try to, to do our best in order to um, preserve the planet for future generations. So I would like to thank you, um, Ulrich Steenkamp, Bongiwe Matsoa, Tabo Sebeko, Earth Life Africa uh, for your important contributions and all you do to protect the environment and bring about environmental justice and create a better quality of life for future generations. Thank you for adding your voice to the One Planet podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.